This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger. I'm here with producer Jason DeFilippo and Kim Seltzer. And here at The Art of Charm, we may not have all the answers, so I bring in Kim and throw her under the bus for all the questions I think are <laughs> too tough for me. And uh, But then we'll do our best to get you answers, advice, and good old-fashioned discussion slash admonishment slash tough love slash horseplay. But uh, I had a weird weekend. You know, I was in Vegas right before that whole shooting thing. So here I am not in Vegas and uh, safe and sound and back to work. And my friends were stuck at the Mandalay Bay for like eight hours on the floor. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. Yeah, it was uh, it was tough. And I, I spent a lot of the evening updating people in our Facebook group because a lot of us were there for mm-hmm. an event. So a lot of people were at the foundation room upstairs, Mandalay Bay, you know, and there were a lot of other people that are around. And what I noticed is a lot of people still don't know that Twitter is the best up to the minute news outlet because it's full of crap. And they also don't know how to sift for credible accounts. And so I had friends who were online buddies who are like police scanner people and they're just listening to the scanners and they're updating in certain feeds and then I'm relaying that information to the other event attendees and making sure that everyone's safe. And there were people, I thought, oh, this is kind of a silly waste of time, I guess, but it makes me feel a little better and who knows. And then the next day, a lot of people were like, yeah, we were stuck in a car or we were stuck in this place and we had bad reception. So we were only looking at your feed for updates because there was so much noise coming in and the news agencies of course you know they have a blog update that's two paragraphs along that comes out two hours later that's like hey there's a shooting no further updates yet (laughs) so it turned out to be a very useful thing to do to have this police scanner app on my phone that i'd gotten from these other guys and i was relaying information as i was listening to las vegas pd do their thing and of course i'm taking out Hmm. things like their positions and stuff like that because you don't want to give anybody who's doing bad stuff any sort of advantage but you do want your friends to know there's not a shooting at seven different casinos there's a shooting at one so you know pay attention because i don't i don't know it's a it's it's another show in and of itself about the cognitive games that go on and why people decide to make jokes during that time mislead people during that time make things sound worse than they are uh, they get facts wrong, and then they report those wrong facts, and they turn it into this whole thing. I mean, th- we were seeing stuff like, there's a car bomb, there's a shooter at these other s- six casinos, it's a coordinated attack, and it's like none of that was based on anything other than panic. Well, it's kind of also like the game telephone, right? Like, I mean, people get parts of information, and it gets passed on, and then that gets passed on in a like diluted way sometimes. I don't even know if it's intentional half the time. It's just people will half listen and then throw something out there. Yeah. But you're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's really, it, wow. it was rough. So I'd love to continue with a fun show here because we always do have pretty good time doing these fan mail Fridays. And I picked out some, the usual heavy duty fare, but also some funny stuff I think we can have fun with. So Jason, you want to kick us off here uh, for fan mail Friday? It's always good to have a fun mood when we do this, even in the face of, of nasty recent events. Hi there, AOC. Is a woman I really enjoy when Kim Seltzer is on, but honestly, every episode I've listened to so far has been amazing. About four months ago, I decided to divorce my husband of a year. He was the first man I ever dated back when I was 18, and we were together for a total of six and a half years. He chronically cheated on me, including hitting on 14-year-olds when he was 20. 
but I just turned 19 and was too scared to let go of my first love. How dumb was I? He's now dating the girl he told me not to worry about eight months ago, so thank gosh he's out of my life. However, I've tried to start dating again, and let me tell you, I am so thoroughly convinced that I'll get cheated on that I'm terrified of putting myself out there. I'm a decently attractive woman, cute face, about 25 pounds overweight, but I've been lifting weights five times a week for the last two months and don't intend to stop anytime soon, and people are noticing the progress. I'm working on my master's degree in computer science as well. I have a bright future ahead of me on paper, but I've been so wrapped up in my fear about dating that it's been way too time-consuming. The thing is that I know there are great guys out there, guys who will never cheat and who will love their wives or girlfriends wholeheartedly. However, I can't wrap my head around the potential of myself meeting a man like that. My question is, how do I trust men again? How can I get to a place where I'm not totally convinced that I'll date a seemingly great guy who can't say no to temptation? Super loaded question, I know. I just haven't seen a lot of great relationships out there. And when I do, I can't help but think about what goes on behind closed doors. I'd appreciate any advice. Please keep up the great work. Signed, Fool Me Once. So this one for me is a little bit sad because she's got this whole I don't do, I don't trust men thing and I can't. Mm-hmm. But there's a couple standouts here aside from the how do I trust men again. One, I can't wrap my head around the potential of not, of myself meeting a man like that. In other words, it'll never happen for me. And I, I think she really has that program running in her head quite strongly yes. because before that she mentions, well, I'm 25 pounds overweight, but I am attractive, but I dated this other guy and he hit on 14-year-olds and he was 20. I should have known. She knew, Then she says seemingly great guy, right? That guy was not seemingly great. He was what you thought you could get despite being... 25 pounds overweight or having low self-esteem or feeling not worthy in other areas. So you're always going to get the guy that you think you deserve, and it sounds like you think you deserve a shithead, to put it bluntly. (laughs) Right. It's so funny because I highlighted that line, too, you know, when she didn't feel like she will meet that guy. You know, I mean, there's so many things that jump out at me. And I I just want to say to her that such a common thing, you know, when you've been hurt and then how you build this almost like protective shell around you in fear of getting hurt again. And so the problem with it is it becomes almost a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? And I'll explain that. It's like, well, first of all, she was 19, right? She was so young and it was her first love. So she hadn't had a lot of dating experience and then she got hurt. So her association with the relationship is like bad, right? And Mm -hmm. the problem is, is that when you have been hurt and then you also, you know, kind of build up a wall to protect yourself, guess who you end up attracting? Unavailable men or probably like who she attracted in the first place perhaps a narcissist, you know, or somebody Mm -hmm. who is right. right? And so in efforts to protect herself from attracting that, she's actually creating that by herself not being emotionally available because she's so protective, you know, of that. And so then becomes this vicious cycle. And so I would say to her, I mean, there's a couple things. One is, and I'm not a very woo-woo girl, you know me, Jordan, but Mm -hmm. I have to be a little woo-woo here, is it it is about self-love. Like she has to actually date herself first. That's so clear. She has to really like kind of know who she is, love herself, you know, figure that I love that she's doing, you know, some weight training and starting to feel better about her body, but she doesn't have a lot of experience. So she has to experience life and get out there and be social and maybe date a couple men and, and know what that's like. So she gets to know herself in the process. The second thing I would recommend, there's an exercise that I do with people who have had this kind of hurt before. Um, I call it like the ghosts versus reality because she is constantly like trying to conquer those ghosts. Right. And so the ghosts is that she got hurt and the reality is maybe different than her trigger or her past hurts. So, you know, like when she meets a guy for the first time, she may get triggered because maybe he does something that's in semblance of what her ex did. Like, oh, there's that guy again, right? But she's got to do a reality check. Like, what is her trigger goes from the past and what is reality? You got to give some guys a chance. And over time, she'll start seeing that she can trust again, but she really has to trust herself first and love herself first. 
It sounds hard, though, to love yourself first if you don't really know how to do it. I, I, one thing I've noticed among a lot of these folks where you say they need to love themselves, I've noticed a pattern here, which is that they often speak in terms of, and this isn't just those people, but they often speak in terms of their next long-term relationship. And I'm not sure, is that a feature of just how a lot of women think? Because it's usually, I usually throw you these questions when they're from women. Or is this another symptom? Because as a guy, if I'm answering guys' questions, they're never like, so I'm looking about to getting into a relationship with somebody and Mm -hmm. I want them to be this way because when we get married, blah, 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 blah. Guys seem to be more short-term thinkers generally and women tend to be more long-term thinkers. But when I see this sort of low self-esteem stuff come into play, I Mm -hmm. also see that they're almost, they're never talking about dating. They're only talking about the next long relationship that they're in. And I get that that might be because they're worried about, mostly we get hurt in long-term relationships. We don't get hurt because somebody didn't call us back after three dates, right? So I understand that. But I'm worried about and wondering about, is there something where a lot of times these folks seem to go all in? They're like, well, I'm going to commit really long. I'm going to do this. I don't want to get married to this person. And same with her in this letter. She's talking about getting married when she was like 19, and then yeah. now she's divorcing him. He's only been they've only been married for a year. So what? She's like twenty one now, maybe, and she's worried about the next guy she's going to marry. You get take mm-hmm. like half a decade and just relax. You know, relax That's for, right. for and that, five totally, years. Totally. That's what I was saying. She needs to almost like date herself and learn totally. how to even date without getting attached to the outcome or getting attached to the idea of a relationship. Jordan, you are so right. And it's something I talk to women about all the time. And I actually think it is a gender difference because women think in long-term storybook Cinderella type of outcomes quite often. And I always have to do like a reality check. And I say to women, guys don't think like that. Mm -hmm. They just want to see if you're a cool girl on the first date and if they want to get to know you more. Like, you know, so I'm constantly helping women kind of be more in the moment and know what they like in that moment and go from there. But I think that's why so many women sabotage dating experiences because they have their checklist in front of them to see if everything checks off for the long-term relationship. So you're so right. And I think that both, but I've also met some men who do this as well, like guys who are like relationship dudes have Mm -hmm. that same syndrome. I think overall, whether you're a man or a woman, if you haven't had experience dating, get experience dating because that's how you get to know yourself. I get it. And I don't want to generalize men only think about short term, women only think about long term. What I was thinking about here in in this particular instance was the idea that she seems to be flagging as, okay, this is long term. I'm looking for this. I'm looking for this. And I was wondering, I guess my question for you, which was unclear in my my sort of thinking out loud earlier was, is this screening in guys who are going to take advantage of this somehow? Is there some sort of subconscious, oh, she's looking for something and I can tell she's really keen for a commitment, so I'm going to play the role while doing whatever I want? Because this guy seems also kind of, obviously he's a scumbag and a cheater. Are these guys looking for people who are, jumping in a little bit too early i think well and again he's young too right and so yeah he wasn't ready to settle down he i should take it clearly you know i should say though some guys who cheat are scumbags and all guys who cheat have to do uh, some good hard thinking about how they treat other people but i would say a 20 year old guy who cheats is somebody who just doesn't even know what he wants yet you know, there could be a lot of factors there. It could be the age. It could be just his profile. It could be his personality. Yeah, I'm not excusing it. it I still think it's a shitty right. thing to do, but I do think <laughs> that it makes sense because younger guys often are just like, wait a minute, I just, I'm married already? And I'm like, I, I think there's a lot of confusion. I, I Again, I'm not excusing it, but I feel like it's pretty common. 
Well, and so your question is valid. So going back to what you said, you know, one, yes, he's young, but he is probably at that point, he was preying on women who gave him attention, right? And if Mm -hmm. she gave him that attention early on, you, you know, and maybe she overlooked her own feelings and needs and put all the attention on him. And maybe once that started not happening, he went elsewhere. that he's trying to fulfill a need somehow, right? And that's kind of the breakdown. That's often what happens in cheating situations. So, you know, either, either case, she needs to do some work on herself and figure out what it is that she wants, what she needs, how she feels, and learn to express that so she doesn't continue this pattern. And the only way she's going to do that is to have more experience. That makes sense. That So go out and get experience and don't try to lock down the next one so hard yes and figure out what it is that you know you want first of all in a dating experience and a man and have some experience around it but also be careful not to close yourself off so much so that you know you're because that reads in your body language that that reads in your the way you communicate with men if you're constantly scared of getting hurt and like i said before Guess what? You might. You might attract that guy who then goes ahead and hurts you. And then again, your hypothesis is all men cheat or, you know, will hurt you. So it's, it's like this is the time to do the work. And, she, you know, she's lucky she's young, you know, and she has now the capability of working on this stuff and cutting out this pattern. So good for her. All right, Jason, take us to the next one. Hi, AOC. When I'm not smiling, I look angry. And it's not like I can go through my whole day smiling all the time. Out in public, I tend not to look people in the eye or smile because I don't want to give the wrong impression or be flirty. I think the lesson you talked about in previous episodes that I got stumped on was smizing. A combination of smiling and uh, something else? Help, not bitchy Brenda. (laughs) What is smizing? Was that something you talked about? Smizing is when you smile with your eyes. And uh, it's a Tyra Banks thing of all surprises, but I love the concept because, you know, the fake smile that people have where it's just their mouth. Right. So models model. No, no. The 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 fake smile. If it's just your mouth, you smile with just your mouth. But if it's a real smile, you laugh with your eyes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, got it. So Mm -hmm. Tyra Banks and this modeling thing that she runs, probably like some TV show I haven't seen. Oh, it was America's Next Top Model. Don't front. We talked about it. We watched that show. That's right, we did. You guys secretly watched that show. We've we've outed ourselves on previous Fan Mail Fridays, so you have to be honest with the audience. They will catch us. All right, cool, cool. No problem. Um, th- basically, they she said if you smile with your eyes, it looks more natural, which it does. So we teach this concept called smizing, uh-huh. and that's what she's talking about. Got it. Well, I think it's really interesting that she thinks by smiling or making eye contact, she'll give the guy the wrong impression. Yeah, I don't think that's unreasonable. I think there's a lot of guys where they're like, she smiled at me, she definitely wants it, I'm going to go and be a total aggressive douchebag. Yeah, but here's what I tell women all the time is that if you look at the definition of flirting, I think I've talked about this before. I think it's so fascinating. It's to behave as though you are attracted to someone without the serious attention of an outcome. That last part is really important. Yet people don't quote unquote flirt because they're scared of the outcome, either giving the wrong impression or, you know, guys will take advantage. But the truth is, is that women have the power to say yes or no. But isn't that a great problem to have if all these guys are attracted to her, <laughs> you know, and sure. she... I, for me, it's just creating a magnetic energy and having like everybody kind of come to you. It's, it's creating that, you know, really powerful energy. So I would say to her, don't be scared of that. You know, smile, make eye contact, work on connecting and being approachable. And then she can determine who she wants to talk to or not talk to. She has that power and it takes that. That's where the self-esteem comes in. Right. And just having that confidence to say, you know, nice to meet you, but, you know, see you later or just having fun. There's no harm in smiling and having fun. Yeah, I think she just is since she's not having fun or since she's not showing the smile because she doesn't want to deal with that. For whatever reason. I mean, I she says it's because she doesn't want to be flirty, but right now there's other women listening that are like, I don't care about being flirty. I just have resting bitch face, RBF. 
right? So yes. how do I solve that? <laughs> and I think, so the real question here is, I think your point's valid, but I think she's also wondering, how do I change my default expression to looking angry? And I think it also comes down to sort of a greater commentary about women, look at me go right now, uh, which is that they're expected to smile all the time, which is kind of crappy. Like, if a guy, nobody ever said, you know, Jordan always looks like, He's angry. I mean, maybe there's that, but I'd have to do a lot to look angry all the time. I don't think that very, very rarely do guys get accused of having a resting bitch face. It's really only. I know. Isn't that that interesting? Yeah. Like it's just something that women are accused of. But, you know, there's a lot more to it than just the smile. You know, there's the brow line, there's the frown, there's the eyes. And I love your that whole smizing idea because there's different ways of smiling. You don't have to do a huge, big, like shitty grin (laughs) to say that, hi, I'm approachable, just like a soft smile in your eyes or even just saying hi with it. So there's so many nuances. And I would like, again, this is another case where I would love to see a picture of her or a video of her because Mm. my guess is it's not just the smile. My guess is that there's other things going on in her body language, maybe the way that, you know, she shows up, her presentation of some sort, maybe intimidating, whatever that is. So when I teach women and I go out there in the field with them, I that's what I look at. I look at the whole thing. It's not just the smile. And here's the other thing, like really pretty women or really tall women, if they don't have that smile that goes with them, a lot of people then hypothesize they're even more bitchy (laughs) than not, which is interesting because there's an association there. And so, you know, guys may get intimidated even more so. So that's why it's like, it's really the whole picture and how, you know, women kind of present themselves. You see this. Yeah, of course. I just, I just wonder if there's anything that she can do about it. And I think the, you're right. We kind of have to see her and think, okay, what's going on? It's all at the end of the day though. I think really fine. Look, look that way. It's a bummer because sometimes people will assume things, but just focus more on, if you want to dispel that, just focus more on enjoying yourself, smiling, whatever, having fun with your, your colleagues. Let's put in a work setting that way. They know that, that's not your default. When you're doing that, you're just working. But then when you talk, if you're smiling and nice, then it's fine. It's still, if, if you really want to fight against that, you know, and, and the smizing thing that we talked about really was smiling with your eyes. We have a, in the Art of Charm challenge, we have a drill for smizing. Comes mm. later in the challenge. People can look that up at theartofcharm.com slash challenge. We teach you how to work on this specifically over the course of a week because it's she the other thing is i tend not to look people in the eye she says that might be a confidence thing um Mm -hmm. but i don't want to give the wrong impression or be flirty okay fine but there's a difference between looking someone in the eye and being assertive and looking someone in the eye and being flirtatious and i think i i think women worry about flirting Way too, or looking like they're flirting way too much. Oh my God, way too much. I tell them all the time. But I get why, because the guys (laughs) are like, oh, she stayed here and didn't run away from me, so I'm in. But so what? So, so exactly like kind of our point, like, so what? (laughs) Like, it's her choice whether or not she wants to continue on. But okay, so I have two, like you were asking about kind of what to do and concrete tips. You know, I, I have this, um, kind of ebook that I give to women a lot. And one of the first things in the book is I help women define what flirtation is to them. And there's something attached for her to what flirtation is. You know, there's an association there. So that would be the first thing is to figure out what her fears and excuses are around this. That's the first thing. The second thing is then to find her style, to find her flirtation style or approachable style. You know, maybe just eliminate the word flirtiness and replace it with energy and approachability and see what happens. Because I think, again, that name flirtation trips up so many women. And you're right. Then they get in their head about it and they worry way too much about the outcome. Um, And so I think, you know, just doing those things. But again, I think there's a lot of other things going on there. So I would love to meet you, Brenda. Great. (laughs) All right. Lennon and McCartney, Jagger and Richards, Watson and Crick, 
AJ and Johnny, what about the perfect duo when it comes to growing your business? Well, that's you and Shopify. That's right, Johnny. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Shopify removes the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze your online marketing campaigns. And sign up today for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash charm. Go to shopify.com slash charm now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash charm. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data. And a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all gonna give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com charm. Just go to indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jason, next up, this one's an interesting one. Dear Art of Charm, a few years ago, I was diagnosed with clinical depression and anxiety. It got so bad that I self-harmed almost daily bruising my face, and lacerating my thighs. I even have repetitive stress fractures on my cheekbones. I'm glad to say that I've been free from self-harming for over a year, but I still have a crippling fear of replying to text messages. For the record, the text message thing is the thing I thought was interesting slash strange, not the Mm self-harm thing. I don't want to come across as insensitive here. I feel like this is a serious issue. I've just never heard of anybody being afraid of texting. This usually involves texting with a romantic interest, which is further justified by my panic-filled responses repelling anyone who I wish to get close to. I've recently started seeing someone new. She's amazing and is aware of my depression, but knows very little about the extent that texting her hurts me. Hmm. I'm afraid that she'll leave me if I don't tell her what's going on. Should I tell her? And if so, how? Yours truly, text-free me. Yeah, so the texting thing is obviously just a small, tiny little symptom of a much larger issue here. That's right, and that's what I was going to say, because actually the next line is probably more important than the actual act of texting. Mm -hmm. It's that when he said anytime he has something like a romantic interest, a.k.a. something more intimate, right, he Mm -hmm. does something like 
to either self-sabotage. Like he repels anyone he wishes to get close to because he's scared of that. Actually, that's where a lot of the self-harm was coming from, right? Because he there was a fear around something, you know, whatever that is of intimacy, of of him getting hurt so he'll hurt himself. There's there's a little bit of control here too, you know, that when people self-harm, it's it's a lot about like feeling out of control inside. So it's um ways to kind of numb out and control something else. And so now it's just like this is another fear of getting close a whole he's so scared that he'll do something. So maybe he'll sabotage it in order to not get close because he's scared of that. That's tough. I hope he, I hope he's had some help, you know, around this and continued help. I'm not sure. Did he say that? That he got help around that? Uh, yeah, it didn't really say that he got help. It just said that he'd gotten through it. So that would be my first question is this is kind of some deep stuff. And I would encourage him definitely to have like an ongoing therapist to help him for sure. But when it comes to the intimacy thing, I mean, that that's a, a bigger thing. If it, the texting thing is so fearful, I'm wondering, is it better or easier for him than like to pick up the phone? Is it just the act of texting? Because that's all he mentions. He doesn't mention when he's with a girl, when he's talking to her. You know, that's the odd thing here. Yeah, good point. It seems like it just happens all the time. Is that what's it's really confusing? Yeah, yeah. So it's any time he's texting, I think, from the sound of it. Right. Like, it's just the texting thing, which there's just, yeah. So I don't know. I guess, you know, that would be one suggestion. Are there other ways that he feels like he could open up and communicate and get closer to people? Or is it all modalities? Is it all forms? But if it's if, if there are ways, I would encourage that. And then to tell people that he's interested in, that he prefers that line of communication, the one that's a little bit easier for him. Because if something about texting like trips him up, then then he should use something else. Well, here's the other problem. Is it just going to be texting? I mean, I, I guess your crippling fear of replying to text messages. This isn't something that's like, oh, good, we're not going to text anymore. This has to show up in instant messenger, email, phone calls, email. Like, there's how exactly. is it just texting? Right? It doesn't it's make something, any sense. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Like, is it just the virtual stuff, right? Or is it easier for him to be in contact with a person or hear the voice over the phone? So, again, we I don't think we have enough information to really help him. But first, definitely, I hope he has a therapist. Second, I would encourage different yeah. forms of communication to help him with intimacy and getting close to people. The third thing is I wonder like how he is, does he have friendships and does he have like close friends that he could talk to about this or does that relate to friendships too? He can't text, you know, friends either. So Right. So just then the the party line has to be I hate texting please only use Snapchat. But if Snapchat and communication <laughs> right. in general is the problem, then you get another problem, but you know, there's the problem isn't Typing the text. The problem is the expectations built up around relationships that come out with the texting. He's afraid that she'll leave him if, if you don't tell her what's going on. You can tell her, but you're she. Bear in mind, this is going to be a shocker for anyone. You need to handle the underlying issue. You're not going to be able to fix the symptom by switching to Snapchat, right? My suggestion right. is tongue in cheek. That's right. It's, it might work as a stopgap if you're having a problem, but look. I don't think he has a problem texting his friends. That usually involves texting with a romantic interest, which is further justified by my panic-filled responses, blah, blah, blah. He probably can text his friends. It's probably just people he's interested in romantically, which shows that he's afraid of doing something wrong and losing somebody who he's interested mm -hmm. in, which is always a place where you're going to be operating at a disadvantage. If you're always afraid you're going to lose someone because you say something stupid or foolish, blah, 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 you're going to run into a problem no matter what. You're going to replace texting and you're going to write on napkins and you're going to go, I can't write on napkins anymore because last time I wrote on a napkin and we got in a fight and da, 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 so I can't write on a There's something there that's causing this trigger. Exactly. Totally well said. And and, and it was like, this is just another symptom of, you know, when he was self-harming and now it's this and exactly, it'll be something else, something else. So that's why really, it, I hope he's addressing this with therapy. Yeah, has to be. All right, Jason, next up. Hi, AOC team. 
I had a friend and coworker who used to frequently talk to me about her relationship and weight issues. Her boyfriend is polyamorous and sleeps with many women. But the agreement they have is that he has to be open and honest whenever he sleeps with someone else. However, deep down inside, she's not okay with the arrangement, and it's making her extremely insecure, clingy, mm. and obsessed. Mm. For example, she would see a nameless text on his phone and then reverse look up the number to find out the owner and then look up the person on social media. The result is usually a woman he knows and she suspects. She would then secretly feel depressed and insecure, but not able to confront him. If he does tell her about other women, she's still not comfortable knowing the truth. He told her she can also sleep with other men, but she's monogamous by heart. He's even attempted multiple times in the past to convince her to have a threesome. Mm. This guy lives in her apartment because he has no credit to get his own place. I've told her many times that she should move on and that she's too good for him. She's in tech and he's a bike technician. They live in totally different worlds, but she enjoys being part of his lifestyle. Can't say the same about vice versa. She loves him and is currently looking to buy a house. He would pay her rent, but since her relationship seems unstable, is that a good idea? She admitted that she can't pay the mortgage herself in Oakland, but he will never leave, so she's not looking elsewhere because she wants them to live together forever and happily ever after. She actually wants kids with him, but recently got a three-year birth control implant because he does not want to have kids. She's nearing middle age, and biology may not allow her to easily have children if she doesn't soon. She goes to therapy frequently to help with her depression due to the relationship and her weight and takes Xanax to relax her nerves, but her boyfriend never goes with her to therapy. She's been trying to lose weight for a year, but she's not progressing. I honestly think the toxic relationship is the roadblock to her weight loss and self-love. Remember I said I had this friend? That's because we no longer speak. One day she texted me and I was triggered because it was another one of her usual issues. She had a dream that she was pregnant and was happy. She's got baby fever, and she admitted it. I responded with, why are you still with him if he never wants kids? She said that it's not true, and never mind. And we haven't spoken since. We used to talk mm. every day. I know she's offended by my response, but I just can't understand why she's lying to herself and why my intentions of taking time to exercise with her, give her advice, and sympathize with her issues are not being well-received, and on the contrary, being taken offensively as if I'm the bad guy. Why is she so defensive of her bad relationship? We haven't talked for weeks, but honestly, I feel more peaceful not hearing the same old problems anymore. It's obvious that he's not right for her, but she's simply too in love with him to let him go. Once she broke up with him for only a week and couldn't take it. Her boyfriend wasn't even that shook by the breakup. She's afraid of being physically alone, even though she's already emotionally alone, even with him in her life. Can you please give me advice on whether or not I was being mean for stating the obvious and if I should just leave this one alone? I do like her, but it's been feeling like a one-sided friendship. I'm younger than her, but feel like her older sister. Sincerely, good but bad friend. Yikes. Uh, this one yikes. is rough. And I'll, I'll, I'll go through this little bit each point here. Mm -hmm. This guy is clearly using her, first of all. Let's just get that out of the way. Um, well, that's she's right. Let's definitely, the she's definitely, yeah, yeah. Good job, Jordan. Um, she's clearly. Oh my God, that was so good. I, you're so insightful. She's clearly deluding herself as well. And I mean, she's got the weight thing. She's got the Xanax thing. She's going to therapy. He doesn't care. I there's two. There's multiple questions here. One. Is this person who wrote in better off without having her and the other friend in the life? Because it sounds like she's just massively relieved. She's still worried about it. I'll tell you, the reason that she's mad at you, though, your friend is mad at you, is because she knows that you are right. She doesn't have a solution that doesn't involve her being alone for a while, slash in her mind forever. So that is kind of like you suggesting, well, why don't you just be alone forever? Because you th you say, this guy's a scumbag, you should get rid of him, he's never going to do what you want. And she goes, mm -hmm. no, if I lose him, I'm never going to find anyone, I'm going to be alone forever, and it's going to be terrible, and all these awful things are going to happen to me. When re in reality, they're already happening, and she's just letting it happen. But at least she has a guy, so her mom says, when are you going to get married, instead of when are you going to find a guy, what's wrong with you? Right, so she has that propping up her last little leg of self-esteem meanwhile he's banging other girls and sleeping on her in her house for free so it is a mess because you don't want to hear about it anymore but she also knows you're right and you are 
this guy is just never going to do what she wants. Eventually, he's going to get tired of her and he's going to leave. Right. But you know what? Regardless of this friend situation, that's not, I, I feel even the question, the question really is, it's her kind of own guilt of breaking up with her friend, so to speak. Yeah. Oh, good point. Right? Yeah. That's like the major thing we got here. Yeah. It's not even the details of the story um, because whatever happened, ha- she, you know, my first question is, you know, what is she hanging on to with this friendship? And because she said it's feeling lopsided, you know, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes we stay in relationships often because we have a history with somebody. Right. And maybe it was a friendship that worked at that time. But as we grow and, you know, kind of change over time, that friendship doesn't serve us. And we start seeing somebody who's very different in front of us. And, you know, so she, this may be a case where she outgrew her friend, so to speak. So, Again, I don't know how yeah. long or the history of this friendship is. Um, the second thing is, is I think what is feeling so bad for her is how it ended. Because it's like she responded with this thing, like, why are you still with him if he wants kids? There was kind of this hang up and they never talked again. So I think the lack of closure for her is upsetting and she's feeling guilty around that. So I would say I would encourage her to have some sort of closure, just even if it's for herself and decide what it is that she wants to convey to her friend and keep it more towards how she's feeling, not accusing why are you in this relationship. The message needs to be, I feel really frustrated or sad when I give you advice and, you know, you continue to be with him. So therefore, it's going to be hard for me to be there for you. You know, like she needs to set boundaries and say why she's exiting. Because, you know, if she breaks up with them and she moves on and maybe they can repair this friendship, at least she was able to be direct with her feelings and tell the friend what she needs. And she also has to have her needs met. You know, like when she talks, is, is that friend there for her? So this is a classic case where I always have people do a cost-benefit analysis of friendships. What is she gaining? What is she benefiting from? And what is this really costing her? And I think she's at her wit's end. The cost way outweighs the benefits. So she just, you know, needs to kind of put closure around it and and see what happens from there. But she says she feels relief and she has to pay attention to that. Yeah, I think that uh, that's a really good indicator. And I think she's feeling guilty because she's thinking, oh, I can't leave my friend. I feel bad. Like you said, guilt associated with ending the friendship. On the other hand, your friend, you have to be here. Here's what we got to accept. Your friend is going to be pissed at you and not want to talk to you for a while. If you shatter her fiction, she's trying to look to you to support her fiction. That's really not a good thing to do because you know it's wrong. So she's going to cut you out because you're 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 effing with her reality right now, which is that she the one that she needs to create for herself for her own sort of peace of mind right now, which is deluding herself into thinking that this guy is eventually going to come around. So when you poke holes in that, she gets mad at you. Right. And you're not going to snap her out of it on your own. Right. Right. She has to do it for herself because she knows you're right. 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 She already knows. And as long as, like, if that friend, if she stays in it, she's just feeding the dragon to continue this cycle. So that's why I think setting boundaries, stating what it is and how she's feeling and why she's exiting the friendship or at least putting boundaries around it and saying, you know what, I can only talk to you at a certain amount of times or maybe it's best we just hang out on Sundays or, you know, there's ways of also restructuring friendships. And but but she has to do that. Otherwise, she's, you know, kind of she's the one that's kind of staying in this and helping her friend be the victim because she's a part of it yeah it's a bummer too because it's like you really do want to help your friends but at some point you got to give up but they don't she'll want to help it's not right you know, that, she'll, right she'll be more helpful not staying in this so that's what you have to yeah. think about it's actually the opposite of what you think sometimes uh, because you're you're thinking she's enabling her by sticking exactly around stuff. exactly and listening and hearing the endless stories and saying i'm so sorry and then she never does anything anyway right being a cathartic sort of emotional right. pillow and then the other it's like did you get rid of that son of a bitch no we're not, not okay and then mm-hmm. but i'm gonna call you and cry as soon as this happens and it's like no you can't. I can't deal. Exactly. And that'll ultimately help, the, you know, that girl. All right. Interesting. Sort of uh, do what's best for the person, not what they want you to do, right? Yeah. Well put.
All right, Jason, next up. Hi, Jordan and the Art of Charm team. My romantic partner of three years is an amazing person. We live together, and I can really see myself committing to him in the long term. There's just one thing that keeps tripping us up. The issue is that I have a male friend that I used to be romantically involved with just for a few months, but it was before my current relationship got started. My friend is a very magnetic and creative person who happens to be polyamorous. And I'm just wondering, is he also a bike repair guy from Oakland? Hmm. Yeah, uh, seriously. <laughs> seriously. What's going on here? Yeah, I have no intention of being romantically involved with him ever again, but I do wish we could remain friends. He inspires me and is a wonderful person. He and my partner only met once, but it was a nightmare. After the meeting, my partner displayed disapproving sulkiness, anger, and jealousy. He said he can't understand why I have to hold on to this person, and he keeps telling me I should leave the past in the past. They haven't met since, and I've only spoken to my friend a handful of times. He expressed his hurt over my choosing my relationship over our friendship and says he wishes I would stick up for him. My partner told me he would feel uncomfortable if I were to continue the friendship, and it makes me feel like my partner is trying to control me because of his own insecurity and distrust. I'm frustrated because I'm pretty sure if my friend and I had never been physically intimate so long ago, this wouldn't be an issue. Duh. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> yes. My partner's generally okay with me having male friends, although he isn't so quick to join in when I invite him to spend time with my friends, either male or female. I've expressed an interest in couples therapy, but he seems to think it's a waste of time and money. We've been avoiding the issue for almost two years now because I'm scared of losing him. And at this point, the issue is so triggering for both of us that I'm scared to even bring it up. I don't want to hurt him by disregarding his feelings, but I don't want to throw away a friendship just because my partner can't figure out his own issues. I know I need to take responsibility for something here, but I can't see it through my frustration and disappointment. If I'm being completely honest, I feel like this could be something that ends my relationship. Yes. I'd be grateful for any advice or insight on this. Sincerely, your listener, Romantic Cynic. Yeah, this is this, this is a very insecure partner. I don't know if toxic insecurity is a term, but I'm going to coin it right now. <laughs> because basically this person doesn't really care what's best for you. They care about managing their own complex at your expense. Does that make sense? So yeah, like this yeah. person says, you know, it sucks that I'm all insecure and stuff, but you know, you just can't have friends. Sorry. And the problem is when that does inevitably make you miserable enough to end your relationship, guess what? You don't have any friends, which is maybe subconsciously what this other person wants because then you can't leave. You don't have any friends. You don't have anything else going on in your life. Mm-hmm. So why would, you know, his relationship with you is that much more secure because he's, then at that point he's all you have. And I'm not saying they're doing that on purpose. I think it's probably a strategy that has worked in the past for this person. Your partner. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I mean, it's interesting, too. I hear a lot of couples grapple with this, you know, like where men get jealous if the woman has like male friends and vice versa. Like, you know, and again, it mm -hmm. kind of speaks to the strength of the relationship and the trust between them. I, I think, though, in this case, too, I mean, this guy is polyamorous which maybe is a bigger threat to this guy because she mm. she says that the that in general he's okay with her having male friends i think the the fact that this guy is polyamorous and that she had a relationship with him a sexual relationship makes him really really uncomfortable so i don't know if it's i mean i i think kind of his feelings are a little bit valid why he would feel a little they are right? because yeah there's a chance that this is going to go south but it seems like it happens with a lot of other people so mm -hmm. i think that maybe the insecurity that might be rightfully in place with this one person yeah is being then projected onto everything so you've got these really it's infecting your relationship right the polyamorous right, right. friend guy the complexes associated with that have sort of infected your partner, which have triggered stuff in him, which is, is now going to spread out. It's like when you shine light onto a prism. Remember mm -hmm. that from science yes. class? Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. shine a light on it, and then it spreads out in all these different directions, and you get a rainbow. In this mm -hmm. scenario, you've got this one person that triggers your partner, and that insecurity rainbow then gets projected onto your whole circle through the prism of your partner. 
That's exactly right. And so then it kind of goes to the old school of communication, <laughs> you know, like yeah. then having a discussion and talking about what this means for both of them and having that open discussion and figuring out together then what would be comfortable, you know, what what would kind of some acts that would show one another that that you know, like she can be trusted and he can be trusted. This is where, you know, a lot of things go awry, you know, when something like this happens and then mm -hmm. you're, you're right, it just kind of spiders into a bigger thing. Right now, they have the chance of nipping it in the bud and really addressing it head on and figuring out what it is that's really bothering him and what can she do to make him feel more comfortable with this guy, right? And mm -hmm. what can he do to loosen up a little and show that he trusts her. So this is where, you know, when I used to do couples therapy, we would do these contracts, you know, with with one another. And I would have the man say things that he would do to make her feel better. And she would do something that would make him feel better. And they would write it down as a contract between the two of them. But so that there were things that they were doing for each other. And I think in this case, that that could work and see where it goes. Because I mean, I guess it's, for me, it's a good sign that he feels comfortable with other men. I think that this was a big trigger for him. And hopefully they can work through it. And but I'd like to say there is no nipping it in the bud here because this has been a two year issue that's been swept under the rug. Yeah. So they this is like something that they're going to have to really kind of work to get past. But I was that guy in my 20s. I think every guy is, you know, you, yeah, your girlfriend has the hot, yeah. the hot ex that she used to sleep with. And, you know, you look at him, and you're like, damn, I wish I was that guy. And yeah, the thing mm -hmm. about it is. The more he obsesses over it, and you can just you can tell from the tone of the letter, all he's going yep. to do is drive her away back to him. Yeah. Even if she wasn't yeah. thinking mm -hmm. about that's going right. back to him, that's exactly where she's going to go. So he needs to grow a set and grow up is the biggest issue because we all grow out of it because he just needs to be comfortable in his own skin that he's the one. He, he, you know, when I used to date really hot girls when I was young and I didn't think I was up to their standard i was always like judging myself thinking oh god she's always going to trade up until one day a friend just tapped me on the back he's like look dude uh she's with you she's not with him yeah so don't Scoreboard. give don't give her a reason to go with him so stop being a jackass get over it everybody go have a beer and everybody be friends and it was that that light bulb that clicked right there and i'm just like you're right she's coming home with me tonight not going home with him so i went already so why am i going to be jealous and that right there stopped it like you know, it was just like a switch that flipped. So I'm, I'm hoping some, maybe he'll listen to this and get the hint that he's, you know, as as we used to say, this is a little crude, but he's stepping on his own dick on this one. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And you know, you had mentioned about the two year thing. It, yeah, in the scheme of things, it seems like it's a long time, but it, it is. I mean, they really have something going. She says she wants, she could see herself committing to this guy. She starts out the letter like that. But they've been together for three years, and so, you know, two-thirds of their entire relationship, this has been an issue. Right. There's this elephant in the room that they have not addressed, and he needs to man up, like you said, but she also needs to not be scared to bring it up and have some open communication for her, too, and not the fear of him leaving. Like, they both have this thing that they're not addressing, so they both have a responsibility here. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a, a problem when they bring it up, but I think it's going to be a really big problem if they don't if bring they it don't. up. they yeah, don't. Yeah, exactly. It'll feel bad in that moment, but actually it'll oh, get yeah. better. And things always get worse before they get better. Good old, good old cliche there. All right. Next up. Hi there. My husband and I just celebrated our fifth wedding anniversary. Congratulations. He has shown me what it means to be truly loved and cared for and is a wonderful husband. I had no idea that relationships could be this good until I met him. Aw. When I met him, he was working on his weight loss. He was five foot eight, and I'm assuming still is, and was 250 pounds. <laughs> uh, and, he's yeah. down, and that's down from 315 pounds 10 years before. So he'd lost hmm. 65 pounds. He got to 200 about a year ago, but I'm noticing him start to go back up the scale. He eats pretty healthy, but lately it seems like he's falling off the wagon. I notice a huge change in his body when he drinks a lot of alcohol. Mm. I try to tell him that I'm noticing a change and try to be sure I don't say it in a shaming way. It seems to come out right to me, but he gets really offended and I feel like a terrible person when I tell him. He thinks when I say this that I'm trying to control him. 
To be brutally honest, I'm just not as attracted to him when he gains weight because I feel like it's him saying, my health isn't that important to me. I love him very much and will do whatever it takes, but I feel stuck here and I don't know what it is that I need to do. I'm naturally a thin person, so I feel like he thinks I don't understand what it's like to be on this path and I need to let him figure it out on his own, but it affects me. Any advice would be appreciated. Thank you so much. No chubby hubby. Aww. <laughs> mm. It seems yeah. like he's really sensitive about his weight yeah. because he's defensive about it, but mm. he also likes drinking. Yeah. So he feels powerless, which is why he's getting mad. Right. You don't get mad when you're like, yeah, you're right. I've been eating like crap. I better hit the gym. Better throw in a salad. You get mad when you think, wow, no matter what I do, I'm never losing this weight. Mm-hmm. And you noticed. And I thought I was fooling everybody, but I wasn't. It's hard because I know. And, and again, I mean, just psychologically, there's obviously an issue with consumption, <laughs> you know, like with food oh, and point. alcohol. I about and that. yeah. And, I, you know, a lot of times, you know, there's many reasons, but he is literally stuffing himself with whether it's food or alcohol, maybe it's his emotions, you know? And so my thing would be, it is, I, sorry. You know, I go there (laughs) all the time. That's cool. That's all good. So, um, but yeah, the thing is, is she, to his point, like she can't be his therapist, like that'll kill the relationship. So whatever yeah. kind of advice she gives him, he's just going to rebel and get mad and get defensive. And so it'd probably be good if he just had his own person to talk to again. Um, it could be a counselor, a therapist, nutritionist, you know, wh- whoever it is that he has an outlet, you know, that I think would improve their relationship. And for her to just support him and what he needs, you know, and really reinforce like when she likes the things that he doing to reinforce that um that is a really good place to start um but other than that this is a a time when like i think he needs to find a different outlet and different ways of expressing himself so he can kind of do that on his own that can't be her responsibility all she can do is express her feelings and and help him you know support him in that journey she could also be fairly crafty, though, and sneaky, and if she's doing laundry, start shrinking his shirts so they get a little bit tighter every week, and then he'll right. think, then, he, then it'll, it'll really drive it home. It's like, man, my favorite shirt doesn't fit anymore. I need to drop a few more pounds. I mean, things like that. Oh, my God, Jason. It, you know, you got to be sneaky sometimes to get the it's job cold, done. Man. If he's, hey, if, if, if he's not gonna, willing to communicate, you got you to uh, take different routes to get to the, the destination is all I'm saying. Would that work you. for you? Absolutely. For me? No, <laughs> Jason. For me. Yeah. Jason. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. It sounded like it was something that worked for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would it'd totally work. If, if my favorite mm-hmm. band shirts, I'm like, and if, you know, I look at it in the mirror and I'm like, oh, that's that's not attractive. <laughs> I'd be like, OK, salad yeah. today. You know, that really yeah. if my clothes don't fit right and I'm uncomfortable. That is the, the biggest precursor to me going on a diet. I just like if I don't yeah. if I'm not comfortable in my clothes, then I know something's wrong and I'm willing to take action to be comfortable. That's how guys work. Like if I'm uncomfortable, I'm going to do what it takes to be comfortable. Yeah. I think some people re- respond to the carrot and some people respond to the stick. Right. <laughs> some, now some that is really, really deep, Jordan. You think my That's thing deep, is deep. <laughs> yeah. But but seriously, like it's a true. lot of people would go, oh, I don't need to punish myself. I need to look forward to something, a nice vacation for losing all the weight, a new wardrobe. Jason's like. I need to not be able to fit into a shirt I used to think was big on me in order for me to get hit in the face with the realization that I need to get on the on a friggin' diet here. Well, she could also remove the sexy time carrot too. Say, ah, honey, I'm there not in the go. mood. Oh, not in the mood. I don't want to bang you because you're, you're, <laughs> you're doing a lot of manipulation over there, Jason. No, but it's yeah. true what you're saying, Jordan. Jason single for the record. Just so y'all know. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, what Jordan, what you're saying, and actually, I mean, I talk about this all the time. It's like there's intrinsic motivation. There's extrinsic motivation. There's things that, you know, motivate us just like we can internally motivate ourselves to do. And then there's things that we need rewards or consequences. Um, and so for him, that's figuring out what that is. So it could be Jason's tactics. It could be some other things, you know, but that's a good point. Oh, man, that's funny. I th- You're right. I think it, it depends on how people want to be. Persuaded, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Documentary of the week. Jason, you you pick this one. I've been watching The Vietnam War by Ken Burns and Lynn Novick. It is 
awesome. It's, it, I mean, it's 18 hours long, <laughs> so prepare to uh, be uh, spending some time in front of the TV. But uh, it's, uh, you know, Ken Burns does amazing documentaries, especially historical documentaries. And this one, he goes back to before the Vietnam War started, talks about the French and how they couldn't win there, and then goes through the entirety of the war. And it's something I've always been fascinated by because my dad was always fascinated by it because he lost friends in the war. So I, I wanted to get like that historical context of it. And it's amazing. And the music's by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. So you got good soundtrack. You got a great story, a great documentary. They should just play this for kids in school. Throw the books away. Just watch this Ken Burns documentary. It's amazing. There you go. Right on. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. You said it's 18 hours long? 18, it's 10 parts that wow. comprises 18 hours. Yeah. It's, it's, com- it's comprehensive. My goodness. All right. Yeah, PBS.org. So is it free for the world? Is that how that works? Currently, you can watch uh, the first two episodes, and I think you have to log in to watch the rest, but you can get around that pretty easily. I, I was checking it out, and uh, it'll, it'll soon be on you know, streaming services, but it's, be, it's being broadcast right now. So if you're in the U.S., you can watch it on PBS or go to the website. Yeah, I'm not above paying for a good documentary. I just hate when it expires and you can't watch it over time. Like I just want to get it and have access to it. Yeah, know? so I mean, if, so. if you have PBS now, you can watch it. Uh, DVR it because they're going to be rerunning it pretty often. And then in about two, three months, you'll be able to just buy it on iTunes or Amazon or it'll be on Netflix eventually, I'm sure. Yep. All right. Awesome. Hope you all enjoyed that. Don't forget, you can email us at Friday at theartofcharm.com to get your questions answered on the air. I keep everyone anonymous. You can either make up your own name or we can do it. If you got feedback for the show, we're fans of strong opinions loosely held. And of course, we love to argue like we're right and listen like we are wrong. So don't be shy to hit us up over here. And if you've got your own advice for someone on the show, start your own podcast. We're the ones talking here. I'm just kidding. Um, I used to do that. I used to like forward people's advice, but it became such a huge pain that I can't do it anymore because I have to look it up and then send it. And half the time it's six months old and I'm sending this stuff on. So, but if you do have interesting points or takeaways, you can also send it along. Sometimes we'll, we'll read it other times. Thanks for your thanks for the effort. But a link to the show notes for this episode can be found at theartofcharm.com slash FMF137, as usual. Quick shout-outs to Jaden Wilcox Bonar. It looks like Boner, but it's Bonar. And uh, to be clear, I, I even checked with his dad because he's eight years old and he listens to the show with his dad. Aww. And uh, he loved the Robin Dreek episode. He had some takeaways that he told his dad on a walk, and his dad sent us that nice letter. AOC's for all ages, people. Sort of, anyway. Although I realized this episode, I was a little bit looser than, than usual. So, uh, Jaden Wilcox Bernard learned some new words today if he's listening to Fan Mail Friday. <laughs> Daddy, Jacob why do you Larson call me from... a boner? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you're... get used to it, son. Get used yeah. to it. Jacob Larson from Denmark. We hung out and ate some amazing food in Denmark. And uh, I told him about my experience. Have you heard of sour herring, uh, Jason or Kim? It's it's called yes. Yes, Zerus yeah. I have heard of that. Yes. Okay. So it's in a can and it smells like an outhouse. It's fermented fish that's essentially just uh, really rotten fish. I, I, like, I don't get it. Severely rotten. But the the thing is, you think, oh, when you eat rotten fish, you get sick. No, you get sick from things like maggots and stuff like that. Those aren't in there. This is fermented, so it's extremely rotten, but co- like controlled rotten. And when you open it, it smells like an outhouse exploded. Ew. But it tastes it tastes good. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. It's like, is it like durian fruit where it smells like a, you know, a rotting corpse, but tastes pretty damn yeah. good? But uh, Yeah, exactly. Insane. And the problem is if you open it, flies from all over the entire continent of Europe will come <laughs> oh fly around you. Oh, my God. So you, you have to open it up inside in order to eat it. But the problem is your house will stink for a week. So you have to actually do it outside. So ideally, you have some sort of screened-in porch to eat this. Is the is the is really? Oh my god! You this is a ringing endorsement. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So we ate a bunch of that stuff. It was good, but it, it's kind of like you would eat this with an old guy, and he would think you were a cool youngster because he's been on the high seas being a pirate for a few decades, and you're the <laughs> only person he knows that's still alive that eats this stuff. It's really this old traditional food. And not only that, to make it one step a little bit more disgusting, the fish fillets have bones in them, and they have the eggs still <gasps> in the fish. Ooh, caviar. It's good. Oh, my God. It's, it's tasty, good. but it's it's it one of the be. most vile things. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't. 
I, I with all that you just said, I can't, I would not be able to taste it. It's basically like the finest cheese that you wouldn't want to get near, except it's yeah. fish. So it's even wow. more extreme. Anyway, Interesting. smells like feet. This is like a destroyed, <laughs> like I said, outhouse on fire. <laughs> Are you in a strange land listening to our familiar voices? If so, hit me up. We'll shout you out. Love to hear from you either way. I'm on Twitter at The Art of Charm, on Instagram at Jordan Harbinger, just to keep things, just to keep things varied. Uh, it's a great way to engage with the show. I just started Instagram like yesterday. I you saw. just started? Yeah. Yeah. I'm on Instagram. I liked your video from Thrive. It was a nice yeah. little video to see the size of the room. I would have crapped my pants in front of a thousand people, but that's why you're the host and I'm not. That's right. Yeah. I, I like Instagram. I just realized I've been using Facebook like Instagram where I'm like, here's a picture. Here's another picture and a funny thing. And I'm like, actually, turns out I just liked Instagram. But before I didn't like Instagram because you couldn't message anybody, and I when I first installed it, you couldn't comment either, and I was like, "This is useless." Oh yeah, they made a lot of improvements. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm like, all right, I'm finally into it. I get it. I'm down. And the little videos, I'm always thinking of funny stuff, and I'm like, "Check this out. Here's a bunch of sour herring. It smells like an outhouse on fire. I'm about to eat it." <laughs> you know, that kind of thing would be fun. Except I also have educational stuff, and I'm like, when am I going to use that on the show? Never. Now it can go on Instagram. So that's what's happening: funny stuff Perfect. and interesting stuff on Instagram at Jordan Harbinger on Twitter at The Art of Charm. Jason, you're on Twitter, right? Yep, I'm on Twitter at JPDef. That's J P D E F, and you can check out my other podcast, Grumpy Old Geeks. Go to GOG.show for how to subscribe. And Kim, you're on Twitter as well, right? I am at Seltzer Kimberly, and I also started a new podcast. Oh. Did you now? I did. Can can I say it? Tell us about it. <laughs> it's called the Charisma Quotient. So obviously very similar theme going, but focusing on women and talking a lot about how to create charisma and dating and style and confidence and all sorts of juicy stuff. And I even coach live some, some clients. So check it out. Charisma Quotient. And I bet there's not a lot of rotten fish on your podcast. No, but I don't know. I may use that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> a way to repel men. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Don't forget about the Art of Charm Challenge. We're taking all the stuff you hear on the show and we're making it into drills and exercises for you to apply to your life. That's at theartofcharm.com slash challenge. Or you can text in. Text AOC to the number 38470. That's AOC to the number 38470 or slash challenge. More from Art of Charm at theartofcharm.com, including info on our live residential boot camps that we run every single week in LA if you really want to dig into this stuff and work on your AOC skills with us as your coaches. That's slash bootcamp, and we accept cryptocurrency for all products and programs as always. Now stay charming, get out there, and connect and leave everyone better than you found them. <laughs>